0: France 24, NHK World Radio Japan, and Radio Havana, Cuba. We will begin with Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle. The value of cryptocurrency took a plunge this week. The European Union announced a 200 billion euro plan to develop more renewable energy, mostly wind power, to replace Russian fossil fuels by 2027. The heat wave in Pakistan has continued, reaching 51 degrees Celsius or 124 degrees Fahrenheit. India is also experiencing record temperatures driven by climate change, Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle.
1: It's been a brutal week for crypto investors. The value of Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies has plunged. The sell-off began after the collapse of what was supposed to be one of the safest crypto assets, the so-called stablecoin, Terra, whose value was pegged to the U.S. dollar. Terra's collapse led investors to dump Bitcoin, which bottomed out at about 26,500 U.S. dollars. It was before at about 34,000 U.S. dollars. It has regained some ground on Friday, but it's still lost more than half of its value in the last six months. That also goes for the entire crypto market. It was worth about $3 trillion in November, 2021. It's now worth about $1.5 trillion. Now given that cryptocurrencies are mostly used for speculation, economists see the global fallout as as limited, with some exceptions. Take El Salvador, the first country to adopt Bitcoin as legal
2: tender. The European Union says it wants to stop using Russian fossil fuels by 2027 and it's just unveiled a 210 billion euro plan to do exactly that. The hope is not only to deprive the Kremlin of tens of billions in revenue, but also to strengthen the EU's climate policies. European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen presented the initiative in Brussels.
3: But today we're taking our ambition yet to another level to make sure that we become independent of Russian fossil fuels as quickly as possible. This whole approach is RepowerEU. So RepowerEU will help us to save more energy, to accelerate the phasing out of fossil fuel, and most importantly to kickstart investments on a new scale. So I would say this will be the speed charging of our European Green Deal.
2: Well, key to the plan are energy savings and renewables. So let's take a closer look at what's arguably the most important source of renewable energy, wind power. But its expansion here in Europe, on and offshore, has been slow. While Asia has seen its wind energy capacity almost triple since 2020, wind farm capacity in the European Union has increased by just 4%. But that's the overall European picture. Break that down to individual states and we can see that the pace of offshore expansion varies widely. Aside from Denmark, no EU member with access to the sea completed a wind farm last year. But that's set to change. Germany, Belgium, the Netherlands and Denmark have all just announced plans to expand offshore wind capacity in the North Sea massively to create a green power plant for Europe. Well, Let's get more on this uh, European plan from Christian Jensen, who's CEO of Green Power in Denmark in Copenhagen. If the EU hits its target of ditching Russian fossil fuels within five years, how much of that gap do you expect will be filled by wind energy?
4: I think that must be the majority of the gap because wind energy is the only source that is large enough and cost-effective enough to put scale into what is needed right now. And the plan today presented about the North Sea and the offshore wind there is a huge step forward to get European uh, independence from Russian gas.
2: It's extraordinary though, isn't it? We have known for decades, we have all known, every school child will tell us uh, that we have to wean ourselves off of fossil fuels. We have to make this transition to renewables. Why has it taken a war in Ukraine for the EU to take this this seriously?
4: Well, sometimes when you need to act on problems, they need to be right in your face and acute. If problems are further down the road, you can see like perhaps we should deal with other problems first.
2: These changes always sound uh, lovely in the abstract, but they end up uh, costing us uh, the consumer right at the start. We know that creating the infrastructure for offshore wind farms is expensive, especially in deeper waters. We're in the middle of a cost-of-living crisis, so how much is this going to cost us? How much will consumers end up having to pay more for energy to repay those capital investment costs?
4: Actually, my prediction is that consumers will pay less than we do right now with the high prices of energy from natural gas and from oil and other fossil fuels. If you see the trend over the years, the price for renewable energy has dropped and dropped and dropped. If you go back to the first wind farm offshore that Denmark produced in '91, we had to pay a large subsidy from the state in order to create the wind farm. And if you take the latest that we have produced in Denmark or planned in Denmark, it is actually the operators who are paying to the Danish state for the right to use the land in the North Sea. So going from a state subsidy to a state payment is the trend right now. We need, of course, to think very carefully when you need the scale, how much can the uh, investors pay for this and do we want to continue to have a race to the bottom with the workforce and the, the working conditions that we see around the world or will we have European standards of sustainability, not only in the energy, but also in the production of the windmills? We should have done it before. And politicians should have taken action before, but instead of pointing fingers of what should have been done, I just like to be happy and pleased about what has been said and promised today. That now we will shrink the time for planning, we will increase the span of openness to where you can invest as an investor. And right now, there are private investors, there are pension funds who want to invest without state subsidy in renewable energy and sell that on market price. So this is a new sensation. This is a new way of having renewable energy without state subsidies.
2: Christian Jensen from Green Power, Denmark.
5: For neighboring Pakistan, it was the hottest April in 61 years. And since then, the heat wave has remained relentless in the country. Last weekend, a city in southern Pakistan recorded the highest temperature in South Asia so far this year, 51 degrees Celsius in Jacobabad. Life in the city is now dominated by attempts to cope with the heat. Many people, especially the very young and the elderly, are suffering from heat stroke. Yet, even under these brutal conditions, people need to keep working to survive, like these brickmakers who have to bake their products in earthen ovens. More than a dozen people have died in India in the past two months due to a severe heat wave. Experts blame high temperatures driven by climate change. Over the weekend, a temperature of 49.2 degrees Celsius was recorded in the capital, Delhi. Now, anyone who's been to India knows it gets hot, but 49.2 degrees is something else entirely. And India has been experiencing this since March, which has already been the hottest on record. Through most of March and April, the Indian subcontinent looked like this. Severely hot temperatures everywhere. Heat waves aren't unusual in India, but so early in the year with such severity certainly is.
0: Those reports were from Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle, which may be heard at a combined audio-video website, DW.com, as well as on YouTube at their channel called DW News. On to France 24. The UN Secretary General described a new annual report on the state of the climate as a dismal litany of human failure. France is having exceptionally high temperatures for this time of year as well. France 24. A dismal litany of human
6: failure. That's how UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres described his organization's findings in its annual State of Global Climate report.
5: Sea level rise, ocean heat, greenhouse gas concentrations and ocean acidification set alarming new records in 2021. Global mean sea level increased at more than double the previous rate and is mainly due to accelerating loss of ice mass. Ocean warming also shows a particularly strong increase in the past two decades and is penetrating to ever deeper levels. Much of the ocean experienced at least one strong marine heat wave at some point in 2021.
6: According to the paper published by the UN's World Meteorological Organization, 90% of excess heat produced on the planet in 2021 was stored in the oceans. While global temperature records weren't quite as severe as the year before, this was put down to the cooling effects of La Nina in the Pacific. But all the while, the average temperature remained above pre-industrial levels edging ever closer to the 1.5 degree threshold, beyond which the effects of warming are said to be drastic. The WMO also said that levels of climate warming, carbon dioxide and methane in the atmosphere in 2021 surpassed all previous records, contributing to the most acidic oceans in 26,000 years.
5: Especially the record in carbon dioxide is uh, striking. We haven't seen any, any improvement uh, despite of the, of the lockdowns uh, caused by COVID in 2020.
6: The effects are not just environmental, but economic too. Last year, individual climate disasters like wildfires, floods, hurricanes and heatwaves are said to have caused up to $100 billion in damage globally.
7: You'd never guess that summer was still a few weeks away. Parisians basked in the sunshine that you'd usually expect in July and August in the French capital on Tuesday, with temperatures topping 30 degrees Celsius across parts of the country. And if it continues, the month of May could be one of the hottest ever observed in France. This temperature is absolutely exceptional for the month of May because it's beating records compared to the normal seasonal average. The intensifying heat is set to soar further as a heat dome settles over the country, trapping atmospheric pressure and warm air from the ocean causing rising temperatures. Here in these vineyards in the southwest, these seasonal workers have had their schedule rearranged to avoid the worst of the heat. With the heat wave, we asked to start earlier instead. In the afternoon, it's
1: not good for anyone to work from 2pm to 4pm
7: and these construction workers in Toulouse are taking extra hydration breaks.
5: When it's this hot, the cement got hot very quickly, so we take breaks every couple of hours.
7: This week, surging temperatures are expected to continue, climbing higher than 35 degrees in some parts of France.
0: Those reports were from France 24. France 24 may be easily found at their website, france24.com. They also have a YouTube channel called France 24 English. On to NHK World Radio Japan. The recently ousted Prime Minister of Pakistan is holding rallies around the country for a new election, saying a conspiracy of domestic and foreign powers was behind his removal. Hundreds of thousands of North Koreans are ill with COVID. The Japanese nuclear regulator approved the plan to release radioactive water from the devastated Fukushima nuclear reactor into the Pacific Ocean next spring. The International Atomic Energy Agency says it will monitor the discharges. There is a 2015 video called Fukushima, a Nuclear Story, by Italian director Matteo Gagliardi that I just saw and highly recommend to anyone concerned about the handling of radioactive waste by the company that will dump it into the Pacific Ocean, NHK Japan.
3: Pakistan's former Prime Minister Imran Khan has held a series of mass rallies around the country and called for an early general election. He was ousted after a no-confidence vote in April. Tens of thousands of supporters attended a rally Wednesday in the eastern city of Gujiranwala. Khan claims the conspiracy by domestic and foreign powers was behind his ouster and is urging his supporters to protest against the current government.
6: There are people who remove a democratically elected government just because it doesn't suit their needs.
3: Khan has been calling on his supporters to gather in the capital Islamabad by the end of the month to pressure Prime Minister Shehbaz Sharif to hold early elections. Khan's supporters at Wednesday's rally criticized the Sharif government.
5: It's unforgivable to oust Khan by dirty
3: tricks.
0: I will support Khan to make sure he wins the next election.
3: Before his ouster, there were reports of friction between Khan and Pakistan's military over personnel matters. Khan's stance on Russia and his policies favoring China cooled Pakistan's relations with the United States. Hundreds of thousands of people in North Korea are experiencing fevers thought to be linked to the coronavirus. And as the country attempts to battle the outbreak without importing vaccines, state-run media are highlighting the scale of the effort. North Korea does not have the capacity for large-scale COVID-19 testing, so it reports cases of fever. Authorities reported more than 200,000 on Tuesday, as well as six deaths. More than 1.7 million people have fallen sick since late April. 62 have died. State-run media say government officials dispatched nearly 3,000 military personnel to supply medicine to pharmacies across Pyongyang. They said more than 1.4 million doctors and medical students are checking or treating people. The media also say officials have provided food items to more than 10,000 households in the capital. A senior South Korean security official says North Korea has not responded to an offer of help from the United States. Leader Kim Jong-un earlier criticized senior officials for their handling of the health crisis. He said his country's response was immature and described the outbreak as one of the most serious issues North Korea has faced since its founding. The head of the International Atomic Energy Agency has visited Japan's crippled Fukushima Daiichi nuclear plant. He inspected reactor decommissioning procedures and preparations for releasing the plant's treated water. Director-General Rafael Grossi and four other IAEA officials saw ongoing work to install a cover over the number one reactor building. The reactor suffered a meltdown after the 2011 earthquake and tsunami. The operator, Tokyo Electric Power Company, is facing challenges to remove radioactive fuel debris from it. Grossi was briefed on how the treated water is stored and its radiation levels are being analyzed. The water being used to cool the molten nuclear fuel is mixing with rain and groundwater that's flowing into the damaged reactor buildings. The contaminated water is being treated to remove most of the radioactive materials, but it still contains radioactive tritium. Japan's government hopes to dilute the treated water to levels below national standards and start releasing it into the ocean sometime next spring. Grossi says things are further along than he thought.
8: The IAEA to ascertain and corroborate that whatever is being done here is in compliance with the safety standards.
3: On Wednesday, Japan's nuclear regulator approved Tokyo Electric's plan to release the treated water into the ocean. Some locals oppose it, fearing potential reputational damage. The IAEA will publish a report on the plan by next spring.
0: Those reports were from NHK World Radio Japan, now heard from 9.30 to 10 p.m. at 7355 and 6165 or on the web at www3.nhk.or.jp. All the times I announce are for Pacific Daylight Saving Time, so please adjust them to your time zone. If you have questions or comments about the shortwave report or could assist me by supporting this listener-funded program, I may be reached through the website and PayPal or by writing to Dan Roberts at P.O. Box 1162, Willits, California 95490. Please, help me continue producing this weekly show which I freely distribute to radio stations and the internet. Like a repeat listener in Annapolis, California did this week, many, many thanks. We will conclude with Radio Havana, Cuba. The Councilor of Europe for Human Rights has called on the U.K. not to extradite Julian Assange to the U.S. The Cuban Foreign Ministry replied to the U.S. announcement of relaxing some restrictions on Cuba. Venezuela confirmed that the U.S. has authorized oil companies to restart importing oil from Caracas. The Chilean government has completed drafting a new constitution. The United Nations Security Council unanimously condemned the killing of Palestinian-American reporter Shireen Abu Akleh. Dozens of Palestinians holding a funeral for another Palestinian were attacked by Israeli forces. Radio Havana, Cuba.
8: Miha Mihatovic, the Council of Europe Commissioner for Human Rights, has called on Secretary Preeti Patel not to extradite Julian Assange in a letter published on Wednesday. Writing in view of the impending decision on Assange's extradition, the European Commissioner noted that the wider human rights implications of doing so had not yet been adequately considered in the extradition proceedings. She highlighted that the indictment by the United States against Julian Assange raised important questions about the protection of those that publish classified information in the public interest, including information that exposes human rights violations. Michatovich concluded that allowing the extradition on this basis would have a chilling effect on media freedom and would ultimately hamper the press in performing its task as purveyor of information and public watchdog in democratic societies.
9: The Cuban Foreign Ministry issued a statement on Monday in reply to the announcement issued by the Biden administration. A statement posted on the ministry's website says that the U.S. government announced several measures positive, but very limited in scope, with respect to Cuba regarding visas, regular migration, flights to provinces, remittances and adjustments to regulations for transactions with the non-state sector. By their nature, at state statement, it is possible to identify some of the President Biden's provinces during the 2020 election campaign, to alleviate inhumane decisions taken by President Trump's administration, which tighten the blockade to unprecedented levels and the policy of maximum pressure since then applied against our country. The announcements do not modify the blockade at all, nor the main economic siege measures taken by Trump, such as a list of entities that are subject to additional coercive measures, nor does it eliminate the travel bans on Americans. The statement adds that the new measures do not reverse either the arbitrary and fraudulent inclusion of Cuba on the State Department's list of countries that are alleged sponsor of terrorism, one of the main causes of the difficulties Cuba encounters in its commercial and financial transactions in many parts of the world. The Foreign Ministry reiterated that the announced measures are a limited step in the right direction in response to the denunciation of the Cuban people and government. It also responds to the calls of the U.S. society and Cubans living in that country. In taking these limited steps, the Foreign Ministry noted how the State Department is using openly hostile language, accompanied by traditional slander and new fallacies that have become fashionable in recent months. To know the real scope of this announcement, it will be necessary to wait for the publication of the implemented regulations. The statements conclude asserting that the government of Cuba reiterates its willingness to initiate a respectful and equal dialogue with the government of the United States, on the basis of the Charter of the United Nations, without interference in internal affairs and with full respect for independence and sovereignty.
8: The Vice President of Venezuela, Delcy Rodriguez, confirmed on Tuesday the decision of Washington to authorize oil companies from the United States and Europe to negotiate and restart operations with Caracas. Vice President Delcy Rodriguez said, quote, Venezuela hopes that these decisions of the United States will pave the way for the absolute lifting of the illicit sanctions that affect all our people. Alluding to the process of economic recovery of the country in the midst of the coercive and unilateral sanctions, Delcy Rodriguez added that Venezuelan authorities will continue to promote policies with their own efforts and at the same time denouncing the negative impact that the blockade has brought to Venezuelans. Tulsi Rodriguez's confirmation was made after the international media revealed that a White House official asserted that U.S. and European oil companies are authorized to restart operations in Venezuela in a view of the dialogue agenda being carried out in Caracas. With the lifting of the measure, Chevron and Petroleos de Venezuela S.A.R. or PDVSA will be able to engage in dialogue and in negotiation. Following more than 100 plenary sessions, the Chilean Constitutional Convention, or the CC, has concluded the drafting process of a new Magna Carta that seeks to replace the Constitution approved under Augusto Pinochet's dictatorship that lasted from 1973 until 1990. The CC president, Maria Elisa Quintero, stated, We are happy to announce the closure of the constitutional debate with which we have marked an important milestone adding that citizens can consult the draft constitution on her institution's official website. The 499-article project includes the creation of a universal health system and the strengthening of policies to promote public education, environmental protection, and gender equality. Article 253, for instance, provides that the state must guarantee the conditions so that abortion, pregnancy, childbirth, and maternity are voluntary and protected. The draft also establishes the need to enhance the civil rights of the Chilean indigenous people, who had not been previously included in any national constitutional process, by creating special courts to prosecute crimes against them. The United Nations Security Council has unanimously condemned the killing of Palestinian-American journalist Shireen Abu Akleh this in the occupied West Bank according to diplomats. The agreement was reached after the United States insisted that the name Israel could not appear in the final statement. The statement, a rare case of Security Council unity on an issue related to Israel, called for, quote, an immediate, thorough, transparent, and impartial investigation into her death. The UN's Human Rights Office also called for an independent investigation into the killing, saying it might constitute a war crime. China successfully pushed the United States to remove paragraphs condemning abuses committed against the media around the world, defending their freedom and urging their protection while covering military operations, according to diplomatic sources and different versions of the declaration obtained by AFP during the discussions. The final text said, quote, journalists should be protected as civilians, but does not mention Israel. That obviously targeted her and assassinated the award-winning Palestinian Journalists. Dozens of Palestinians were injured as Israeli forces used rubber-coated steel bullets, tear gas and foul-spelling skunk water in occupied East Jerusalem to attack a funeral procession of a Palestinian man killed by Israeli soldiers. Walid al-Sharif succumbed to wounds he suffered on April the 22nd when Israeli troops shot him in the head with rubber-coated bullets as they fired so-called less lethal munitions at worshippers at the Al-Aqsa Mosque. An eyewitness said Israeli forces left Al-Sharif bleeding for nearly half an hour before he was finally taken to hospital in a coma. He was amongst 54 Palestinians killed by Israeli forces since the beginning of the year.
0: Those reports were from Radio Havana, Cuba. Cuba's website is working well at RadioHC.CU. On shortwave, Cuba may be heard from noon to 1 p.m. at 15.140, and from 6 p.m. to midnight at either 6,000, 60.60, 60, or 61.65. One of my goals in producing this show is to encourage people like you to listen to international broadcasts, get a global perspective. You will have to look harder these days because of U.S. and EU prohibitions. Every Thursday evening, I post a new shortwave report at the website for this show. That's outfarpress.com. At my website, you can also listen to past shows. Please consider making a safe donation online through PayPal. There's a link at my website along with a podcast link and get advice for listening at home. This shortwave report, which is now in its 26th year of production, remains free to rebroadcast upon notification. This shortwave report is produced and distributed off the electrical grid in Northern California using solar panels. I'm your host and producer, Dan Roberts. Thanks for listening.